Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Tuck, I'm back, baby, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. I'm back from my golf trip. Shout out to my dad. The dynamic duo. We're back together to talk week four SEC football. How you feeling, Tuck? I'm feeling good, man. But before we get started, I think everyone wants to know, as they were sitting there listening to just me talk for 50 minutes about SEC football, I think, Love it. I think they want to know what what they were missing dan for you know so tell us how it went how how'd yeah. you play what what was it all about yeah thank you I, I do want to say to our listeners shout out to tuck 53 minutes solo i was very impressed it was like that documentary free solo tuck just kept climbing <laughs> that was epic uh it was a good episode too ironically my best week of picks was the week i wasn't there which i think is hilarious the one time i get some picks right the one time i'm not actually on the podcast uh, the golf was good. Played in the Highlands Country Club, uh, member guest up in Highlands, North Carolina. We uh, we didn't win. We played in it last year and came in second overall, which was exciting. We I think we were third or fourth in our flight this year. So it was a mixed bag, but it was uh, a nice weekend with my dad. Some good family time. Always fun to golf. Uh, unbelievable, beautiful golf course. So I had a great time. And my Gamecocks won. So I'm I'm happy. I'm feeling good. Well, good, man. Glad you had a good time. Glad to have you back. I think I think the listeners were missing the banter. So glad to be back. That's what we're known for. We're known yeah, for you, you would have sounded so smart if you were on last week, too. That, that, I know. Because you probably would have nailed most of your predictions. Don't I know it. Shout out to my <laughs> father-in-law. I, uh, I'm in Charlotte right now doing doing the pod. And I'm staying with my, my in-laws. I walked in. My father-in-law I was like... You absolutely nailed it with that Tennessee pick. Your buddy Tuck said you were taking Tennessee. I said, I sure was. Glad to hear it. So he was pumped. I'm, I'm not pumped. to mention Very we would have both we both would have agreed on South Carolina for once. So, you know, I, I, I was all over y'all. I think that was that was my absolute lock of the week. I thought that was the y'all made it closer than it should have been. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I love it. Uh, we were, we were giving six and we won by seven. Never a doubt. Lock of the week. <laughs> That's a lock folks. But I did have two. I, I took the over too. And that, oh, thankfully no. that ended up, that was the real lock. God, the over probably hit what? Halftime middle of the third quarter. I was literally talking through it and, and, and on the podcast. And I was like, you know what? This, the over's for sure going to hit. Give oh, me yeah. that. Okay. I taught myself into it. Two teams that have not shown much of a pulse defensively. So that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a that's a good recipe for the over listeners. If you're if you're betting, that's a that's a, a good recipe for success. Well, Tuck, let's do it. Let's talk SEC football slate. <clears throat> we had a good week four. I was pumped about week four. We had some SEC on SEC action. We had a couple of SEC versus lesser opponent action. Um, Let's talk about the SEC games a little bit, and then maybe we can sort of instant reaction to some of the SEC versus non-SEC slate. How does that sound? 
Sounds great. And yeah, I mean, I think we need to do some non-conference stuff too, because this was by far the best week of football that we've oh had so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was watching the Georgia UAB game a little bit, and I don't want to sound like a, a bad Georgia fan here, but I mean, it was in the middle of like four other really good games that were happening. And I was like, I, I can't keep flipping back to Georgia UAB anymore. <laughs> I, yeah. I got to watch these <laughs> other good games. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's one of those games where you're like, mm, I love you, my precious Georgia Bulldogs, but I'm not going to watch you play UAB when some of these other games are on. Exactly. That's too funny. Uh, well, let's start there, Tech. Let's uh, walk me through a, a little bit of that Georgia game, Georgia UAB. Um, you know, my my first question is, when's Georgia going to play somebody? And I know you played South Carolina, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when are they going to play somebody, Tuck? I'm just waiting around to see if this team's national championship legit or not what are your thoughts i don't know if we will all season because uh, last week we were saying ole miss you know looked like they were going to be our biggest threat and then what you know we'll see what happened what we talk about with them coming up but it's not going to be too much in the positive column i I would assume um not for me i'll tell you that (laughs) yeah and i mean south carolina is almost looking as good as anyone um Thank you for saying there that. seems to be this tier two in the SEC right now. That's just a jumbled up mess. And I, I do think Georgia's still a step above them. I mean, I don't think yeah. they're playing, you know, national powerhouse uh, standard that, that they've played the past couple of years. And like I said it in the podcast leading into the game, I think this was one game that I actually nailed from a prediction standpoint. I said, yeah, look, Georgia's, not going to look good in this game. We're still getting over all of these injuries. We're not going to show anything on offense. It's just going to be one of those games. You know, I, did I expect our defense to give up 21 points? Absolutely not. Um, Carson Beck missed some wide open receivers in this game too, which was a little concerning. Uh, if you look just solely at the stat line, it looks way better than it was from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. Um, but look, there's room for improvement. I, I think we have time to improve. I will say this coming up week at Auburn, that's a scary environment. Uh, we're going to give Carson Beck his real first road test uh, sure. there and, and kind of see how our offense shows up. And I, I, I'm a little bit concerned, but not super concerned with how they played this week too. Well, the good news, Tuck, is that Auburn offense looks like it would be a killer offense in the 1920s before the forward <laughs> pass became a thing. I mean, I, I'm not worried about that. I, I, I was with you maybe a week or two ago. I was thinking, man, that Georgia-Auburn game is going to look interesting if both come in undefeated. We'll talk about Auburn, but that Auburn offense does not look good. Um, you know, I, I'll give you a Georgia instant reaction. Brock Bowers, he's back, baby. I was excited to see that. I... I even felt a little bad giving him dud of the week in our first edition studs and duds. Cause he is such a stud. Um, and it was nice to see him just beat up on an opponent that clearly was incapable of stopping him. So yeah, it was, I like it. I think we talked about it. He, he looked a little slow or banged up the past couple of weeks and, and a, half of our tight end room has been hurt. So I think it was kind of maybe one of those situations where he's been banged up, but we've been having to roll him out there. And it looks to me like he's getting back into full strength. And so, you know, that's just one of those examples of a player that 
once we get back healthy is a real difference maker. Now, you know, let's get Lad McConkey back. Let's get Amarius yeah. Mims back. Let's get our running backs healthy. Let's, you know, Bullard. see. Yeah. At Bullard. Uh, well, I mean, once he gets back to full strength and then I, I think, you know, there's just so many injuries across the board on this team. We're just kind of slow playing it, trying to get everyone back. And once we all get full strength, I mean, I think every Georgia fan is kind of hoping that by the second half of this season, we're really, you know, rising to our standards. Yeah, I like it. I, uh, I know, I know we were talking about this. I, I was excited. My guy Gunner Stockton got in and then promptly threw an interception. I was like, Gunner, <laughs> come on, man. You're, you're one of my guys. You're one of hashtag Poppy's guys and just come in there and throw a pick right away. That was disappointing. But, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's doing what Georgia does. I saw a Sports Illustrated, one of their beat writers came out with his four for the playoffs today, this morning, and Georgia wasn't on it. And I, like that was such an eye roll moment for me. It's like, dude, George, I can't even tell you the last time Georgia lost a football game and you're not going to have them in the playoff. Like that just that was like really frustrating for me to see. I just thought that was uneducated by that writer. Who was on it? Just out of curiosity. Oh gosh, it was like so I can it, shit on this guy. Yeah, thank you. It was, like, <laughs> it was like Penn State, Michigan, Florida State, and like Southern Cal. Maybe I was like, this is this guy just like trying to get clicks? Is this just yeah? Clickbait? I mean, well, I mean, I will say, and the reason I brought it up is because I know I knew Michigan would be on there because everyone's loving Michigan, but. Yeah. Penn Michigan State. is slow playing their bad schedule where oh, yeah. Georgia is, right? Oh, my God. So, oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to make the argument against Georgia that they don't look good, you got to make that same argument against Michigan right now. Yeah, this guy's probably, uh, you know, Big Ten guy. He's probably like, Michigan's great. Mm. Not impressed. <laughs> Not impressed Sports Illustrated writer. I can't remember your name who tweeted out their playoff team. So, we're we we're not impressed with you. All right, no. let's keep it moving. My favorite game of the week, I think, Arkansas LSU. Let me tell you, I I had some thoughts there, Tuck. My initial thoughts were, I think Arkansas might be better than we're giving them credit for. I thought Arkansas looked pretty good. I had them as one of the worst teams in the SEC in my power rankings. And I, speaking of uneducated uned- decisions, I think that might have been an uneducated decision by me. Um, you know, I I still like KJ Jefferson, even though he was a little loose with the football. I think I think that Arkansas defense was, you know, good enough. I like Jaheim Thomas a lot. I I think this is a decent football team. I think Sam Pittman's a good coach. He has them ready to play. And then, you know, I was impressed with LSU to come come out in the second half and score 24 points and win this football game. Jaden Daniels is still a stud, spoiler alert. I love Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. I know we talked about talk about those guys all the time, but that's because they are so legit. I finally got to see some signs of life from Harold Perkins Jr. rushing the passer. I think this LSU team is probably the second best team in the SEC behind Georgia, and Arkansas played them close. I was ha- I was happy with that performance. If I'm an Arkansas fan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I couldn't have been more. Th- this was. As far as predictions go, this was definitely the one I was the most wrong on. Sure. Um, I, you know, kind of had Arkansas down there with Mississippi State uh, as far as how I was power ranking them. Yeah. I thought their offense was showing no 
real sign of life. Their defense couldn't stop anyone. I gave them so much crap for getting beat by BYU last week. And then they come up and, and step up against this LSU team. I, I mean, it was one of those things I kept watching it and I was like, you know, when LSU went up 24-16 in the third quarter, it was kind of like, all right, here's where they break away from it. And then here comes Arkansas. They push right back and score on them. And then LSU scores another touchdown and, and makes it 31-24. And then here comes Arkansas. They storm down. They score again. Um, it was almost like whoever had the ball last at the end of that game was going to win. And it just so happened to be LSU. Um, that being said, I mean, LSU put them away with a stellar like five-minute drive at the end and just took all of the clock away from Arkansas. Classic and Ryan Kelly drive, yeah. It, it was one of those like if because you're kind of when you're playing in those games, you're scared to give the other team the ball last. And so if you have yeah. that ability to do something like that and, and sustain a drive and take away the clock, and, and just get down there and kick a field goal with five seconds left. I mean, that, that is just pure control. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It, it was a really good win. I think LSU showed it, it's a game that, you know, they easily could have dropped It's one of those sec games. You don't, you don't expect Arkansas to come out and battle with you, but props to both teams here. Um, not necessarily both defenses, I, I think. Yeah. Props um, to both offenses. Definitely yeah, props to out. both offenses. <laughs> um, I, I think LSU's secondary still looks pretty susceptible. They have no um, depth. Absolutely no depth in that LSU secondary. Yeah. So I I do think that's just been their kind of their their weakness all year so far yeah. is that secondary. And they gotta sure it up if they're gonna be talking sec championship playoff contention type team and, and at this point that's what lsu has to be thinking about yeah oh yeah yeah that's got to be the thought and that's the beauty of our precious sec talk is any really any team any week can punch any other team in the mouth i mean we, we both thought coming into this week this would be a a pretty a pretty simple LSU win. And that just wasn't the case. I mean, think about last week, we thought Georgia was going to blow out South Carolina and South Carolina's got a, you know, quasi sizable lead at halftime. That's right. the beauty of the SEC. It's the best conference in football. And that's because, you know, even a Vanderbilt like team can give you a shock. I mean, last year, Missouri playing Georgia close, like you just never really know what you're going to get. Uh, and there's talent. I mean, when you look at the SEC recruiting rankings, there's, 10 SEC teams in the top 25 nationally. I mean, so it's a it's a conference that's just loaded with talent. So, yeah, any, any given Saturday, as they say. Well, and that's the thing. You know, Arkansas's got KJ Jefferson. I think we all had him rated as a top quarterback in the SEC this year, and he finally showed out uh, this week. And if you have someone like that just balling out, it's hard to stop them, uh, especially if you're in league. You're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're weak on the secondary. So, um, you know, great game. I I was having so much fun watching it. I, I like I said, I I just kept waiting and expecting LSU to kind of slowly pull away, yeah. and it just never happened. Arkansas just kept clawing back in it. Never happened. Tuck, that's such a great transition to our next game. Um, 
I keep people keep texting me and telling us we're getting better and better every week. And this is a great example of that. What a transition. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk Ole Miss Alabama. If I'm an Alabama fan, I'm thinking, I think we found our quarterback because Jalen Milrow, I got to admit, looked pretty good throwing the ball. And if I'm an old Miss fan, I'm thinking, that's not the Heisman Jackson Dart I know and love. So Jalen yeah. Milrow, stock up. Jackson Dart, stock down. I did some digging. Apparently, the Jalen Milrow thing, have you heard some of the rumors about last week and why he didn't play? You know, I heard a lot of rumors. I didn't hear anything confident, which, you know, good for Saban for keeping it all in-house. But yeah. the main rumor I heard was that basically, you know, Milrow was being, Milrow was being just like really lame in practice. Uh, and they were basically like, all right, we're going to sit him down against USF and see what see what the other two guys can do. So. <laughs> it well, seems like it seems like he's back in the starter seat, and I think that's a good thing because Jalen Milrow is clearly their best option at quarterback. I'll yeah, you. but not necessarily if he's you know a bad attitude. I mean, those cancers in the locker room are not. Sure. I mean, that's not a good. I mean, maybe that USF game fixed it, but if I'm Jalen Milrow and I got sat because of my bad attitude, and then I saw those other two guys play, I'm maybe coming out of it. <laughs> feeling even cockier um yeah, feeling like you can have a bad attitude that's an excellent know, point yeah so i mean if you're alabama you're you're happy that melrose obviously solidified in there I, I, you're not going to hear uh them calling for any other quarterback again so right. I, I mean that that was quarterback <laughs> controversy's done if that was nick saban's goal consider it accomplished yes that that is done um I mean, it was still a sloppy game. I don't, yeah. I, if oh, yeah. I'm both either of these teams, I'm not feeling super good coming out of it. Um, I think it was one of those, and I'd kind of been talking about how I thought Ole Miss was a little overrated um, for weeks. And then sure enough, the game pops up and I, I, I still pick them, but solely because I, I thought I knew Alabama was really bad. Um, and so, I mean, at the end of the day, Alabama had around 50 more yards than Ole Miss. Ole Miss had four trips to the red zone that resulted in only 10 points. Yeah. Um, it was. This was Kiffin, not an offensive battle. I'll say that. No, I mean, Kiffin, I just don't know what his deal is uh, in these big games. He just cannot come up clutching him. He seems to. Saban gets in his head. I don't know if it's that or if he if he gets in his own head. I, I don't know if it's like a cockiness thing, but like I, I'm almost expecting to see Lane Kiffin pull some tricks out of his bag in a game like this, and you just you just didn't see any of that. It, yeah. it was kind of he did it last year against Alabama too, where he had a chance in the in this game and just seemed to continually shoot himself in the foot with with bad play calling. Um, and, uh, I think that happened again in this game. I agree. I mean, it was, uh, that, that was a unique watch for me. I mean, I, I think I was, I was a little bit right and a little bit wrong when I think about my past few episodes of the podcast. So where I was right, we know this Alabama defense is going to be good. We know right. this Alabama defense is going to keep them as let's call it a top. Would you say three to four? probably honestly probably three but let's say top three or four team in sec because their defense is so good um dallas turner is such a freak oh my gosh is he fun to watch 
on defense, yeah. man, he is so disruptive. So I, I liked watching that Alabama defense. I think Milrose fine. The quarterback controversy is over, which is good. Uh, Jason McClellan had a good game, so I was happy for him. I've been hard on him this season, but only because I think he should be really good. He looked good. Alabama still has no receivers. Like, what? Where are their receivers? I mean, they have absolutely nobody. Uh, no, and no one. I mean, it's shocking. And then on the Ole Miss side, you know, Jackson Dart back to reality. Quinshad Judkins continues to show me nothing. Um, Lane Kiffin's offense did not look great. So this was a setback. I I always do this, Tuck. I adopt a new team. I told you, told you <laughs> last week on the pod, I'm adopting Old Miss. I know. A new team, and then they promptly look terrible. So It's time yeah. to hop on the Missouri bandwagon so yeah, they correct. can let you down in three weeks. Yeah. Missouri, <laughs> Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida. I'm adopting you. We, said, we said we were Brady Cook guys in the last yeah. podcast. Maybe that's where we need to pivot. Correct. I'll, I'll put the curse on Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri. You are my new adopted team. Uh, <laughs> I just I, this Ole Miss team did not look good, and and this Alabama defense does look good. So those are really my takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, Alabama still. They. I mean, I think they're the same offense that they were coming. I, I I feel like we kind of know what Alabama is. They're going to play really good defense. Um, they're going to run the ball pretty well, effectively. Yeah, I mean, they, they ran it more with Jalen Milrow, which they, they seemed to have some more designed runs with them, which was uh, something that I think everyone had been fiending for. Um, but as far as their intermediate passing attack, it's just not really there. It, it's They take the occasional shot, and occasionally it works. It's very similar to Tennessee kind of thing, but it's kind of like a one in five of them work. And so you just, you got to take your shots, hope to keep those safeties back and then run the, run the football. And that, that's just kind of the team that Alabama is right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. It looks like a, looks like kind of a worse version of some of those old Nick Saban winning teams where it's control the clock, running the ball and play good defense. But yeah, it honestly does look like that. I, I don't think this Alabama team has really any playoff hopes at this point. I, this does not look like a playoff football team to me. I'll say that. No, I I think they're going to drop some, a, a, a couple in conference coming. In I agree. This season. I agree. And now time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia, and throughout the Low Country. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail site preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail site preparation, the best in Georgia and the low country. All right. Next to Tuck, let's go rapid reaction. You can start Tennessee UTSA, which is Texas San Antonio, I think. Is that right? Uh, yes, I believe that's correct. Uh, road runners. Only thing I picked up out of this, I mean, Tennessee bounced back, beat up a bad team. That's kind of what Tennessee does. Yeah. But what I liked about it was their rushing attack. Um, they, didn't sling the ball around. I think, you know, you got Joe Melton. He's a little inconsistent. He doesn't throw the most catchable ball. 
let's try to, you know, just because you're running hurry up doesn't mean you have to throw it everywhere. Uh, you, you can run it just as easily. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I think, you know, they, they kind of embrace that. And especially coming up to a South Carolina game uh, coming up this coming up week. Revenge game. With a team, you know, that's pretty susceptible against the run. I think uh, I think it was kind of good practice for that. I agree, Tuck. I, I wish I would have gone first in instant reaction. My instant reaction was uh, Tennessee. They've got the top rushing attack in the SEC, fun fact, and one of the top <laughs> rushing attacks in the country this season. So they're uh, – well, you know, last year, it, last year it was pretty similar. I, I mean, everyone gave all the credit to their passing attack, which because that is what created the big plays and stuff. And they were doing but, more quick game passing this year, where it seems like it's more quick game running. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. Well, la- last year they still had a pretty good rushing, and it was way more balanced than uh, you might would think if you go and look back at the statistics. Maybe. And I'm biased because they threw it a thousand times against South Carolina because we kept scoring. So that's probably if it it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably some bias there. (laughs) Yeah. Tennessee's got South Carolina next week that they're, they're going to want that to be a revenge game for last year. But I think South Carolina is already testing out our new, (laughs) we tested out our new defensive style. (laughs) I'll share more when we talk about the game, but we're just like loading the box now. It's hilarious. We're not even trying. We're like we're we're playing man to man on an island and putting everybody in the box to try and stop the run. So we'll we'll keep doing that. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, rapid reaction, Florida Charlotte. I'm going to go first, Tuck, because we're both going to think the same thing, and I want to say it first, so I get to use it. Ricky Pearsall, what a catch! Catch of the year, looking like Odell Beckham. Oh my gosh. I got to be honest, I didn't watch this game. I just watched the highlights. We could talk about it on the pod. And my, my really my only takeaway from the highlight was what a catch by Ricky Pearsall. And also, let the record state, I've been on the Ricky Pearsall train since week one, if you remember. I like this guy. I've been hyping him up. And that's early candidate for catch of the year. Yeah, I mean, it was a sick catch. I'm just pissed at Florida. I, you know, I picked them to cover because I knew they could beat the crap out of Charlotte. And I said the only thing that could stop them is if they just decide to come out incredibly flat and not care in this game and they're all recovering from the Tennessee game. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm not putting much thought into them, not looking great against Charlotte. You know, they came off of a big week and there's no reason to put everything you got into beating the crap out of Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Listener, if you're listening, go ahead and just Google uh, UNC Charlotte's football coach, Biff Poggy. Just go ahead and Google image this guy. This looks like a football guy. I'm taking Charlotte to cover the spread every game this season solely because <laughs> of the head coach. This is a football guy if I've ever seen one. I love this guy. Well, maybe we, uh, maybe that's the horse we need to ride from here on out. <laughs> Seriously, UNC Charlotte to cover every week. Our new horse. All right, Tuck, let's talk Auburn, Texas AM. Um, this was this was a battle we were excited about. These were two teams that were what's called in that like jumbled second mid-tier of the SEC, if you will. And we knew we were gonna learn something. What'd we learn? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, especially from an Auburn standpoint, I don't think we quite knew who Auburn was. They were coming in undefeated. They barely beat a Cal team. That's okay. Um 
And so we had an idea about Texas A&M. They, they've played some games this year. And I think we've just learned that Auburn has zero defense. Um, or offense, sorry. Uh, no they offense. do actually have a decent yeah. defense. Um, but they just have no quarterbacks. I mean, they, they were actually decently effective running the ball, even though A&M knew they were running the ball every single time. Um, but it was, it, it was just disastrous from, from start to end, uh, from Auburn. But, you know, the good thing is Texas A&M looked just as bad kind of in the first half. Um, and we were looking at a three to six game and we we're like, oh man, who's going to take that step? And then Connor Wagman goes down. And so we're like, uh oh, what's going to happen with Texas A&M now? And Max Johnson comes in and balls out, and uh, he takes Texas A&M, and they just dominate the game from there on out in the second half. I, I'm not going to sit here and say we've got a QB battle or anything like that, but Max Johnson definitely just uh, made himself a little money maybe in the in the transfer portal or something. Tuck, you're telling me Max Johnson. So Connor Weigman goes down. I think we're all worried. Oh man, because Connor Weigman was having. I mean. He, he was having a good season. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to call that out. I mean, if we were to re-rank the quarterbacks, Connor Weigman's probably cracking my top five. Um, so he goes down, and Max Johnson, not only does he come in, he comes in with some swagger, comes in with a little moxie, starts pitching the ball around. I thought I thought he had a great game. Tuck, I know you're the QBR guy. 96.2 QBR for Max Johnson. Very impressive. That's essentially a perfect game. And then... I know I made the joke about Auburn earlier, but it's so true. Like it's in a modern college football offense, you need to be able to throw the football and they just can't do it. I mean, yeah. this is, they were nine for 23 passing for 56 yards. Um, we finally got to see a little bit of Holden when I I'm still high on him. So I, I just, I, I, I do not like what I've seen from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. I'm going to continue to say that. Um, yeah, I just don't know what kind of options they have out there. You know, it is they're tough in a, in a real tough spot, and we're just not. not seeing, yeah, I mean, yeah. but you know, we came into the season thinking Hugh Freeze, and I I think I said this at the very beginning of the season. I was like, look, Hugh Freeze is not gonna have a great first year, but he's gonna he's gonna have a good enough first year, get some good recruiting. I think he's gonna be really good in a couple years once he gets his guys in there. But he has done nothing for these quarterbacks and, and they just no. do not look they don't look anything. Prepared. They don't look yeah. like anything that's I've ever seen out of a Hugh Freeze offense. <laughs> no. Peyton, poor Peyton Thorne. I know we're hard on him. He uh, he touches the ball literally every play, right? He's the quarterback, so he's touching the ball almost every play. He had 44 yards passing and negative 34 yards rushing. Yeah, for a total of 10, 10, 10 net positive yards. He got um, sacked seven times. Yeah, it looked like looked like a South Carolina offensive line to open the season. Um, <laughs> well, because if you're Texas A and M. Why wouldn't you just pin your ears back on every single play and bring the house because you know they can't throw the ball? And, and so when he does drop back and throw the ball, he better get it out quick because they're coming. 
And it was fun watching some of these young studs on Texas A&M. I mean, we talk about their recruiting classes. They have that Walter Nolan guy who was a five-star, one of the top recruits in the country. He's a sophomore now. Man, he was disruptive. He was just pushing dudes around. So it was fun to watch some of the young talent. Yeah, let's give Texas A&M some credit. Auburn has zero quarterbacks. Texas A&M might have two quarterbacks, so good for them. They've got two good ones in Connor Weigman and Max Johnson. Running backs look good. You know, receivers looked fine. Uh, and that defense, I thought that defense looked really good. But you're right. It's the easiest job in the world if you're a defensive coordinator and you say, all right, they can't throw it, so we're going to just blitz. And Yeah, I mean, Auburn scored three points island. in this yeah. game. That I think – actually, I looked up some stats here. A&M or Auburn made it to the 30-yard line of Texas A&M one time, never got into the red zone, and their only touchdown was on that fumble recovery with the viral clip with Jimbo just standing in the middle of the field. Yeah, that was epic. <laughs> he was just standing like in the but middle like, of the field. It's one thing to not score. It's another thing to just not even get close. No, I mean, we're watching that offense, and it's – I mean, it's just, it's wild. You're just thinking they're not, there's no way this is going to work. No. And there's no way it's going to work. You know, it's it's not like, oh, it'll work next quarter or it'll work next half. We're just watching this thinking this this is not going to work. Um, wild. Wouldn't think about that from Hugh Freeze. So Auburn fans, uh, that was fun while it lasted. 3-0. and Now they're 3-1. and They're going to lose to Georgia, so... They play Georgia next week, right? So they'll be three and two. I am high on Auburn's future, though. You know, don't get too down. Just fold it in for the season. Come back yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably Auburn fans. You're probably going to lose the next three games. Georgia at LSU and then Ole Miss. So you're going to go from a three and zero to three and four, and that's that's going to sting a little bit. But yeah, next year, uh, Tuck. Let's talk about my Commodores, Kentucky Vandy, Kentucky four and zero. I mean, this, this, I think this is a good Kentucky football team, Tuck. I really do. I'm not quite on that level yet, but um, I, I, if this is the new team you want to take, I, I don't know if I would. <laughs> but the only, the only reason I'm not going to adopt them yet is because Devin Leary has been nothing short of just terrible. He has not been good this year. Yeah. I mean, again, they got to be able to throw the ball. Um, their defense looked pretty good. Defense they, nasty. you know, had three picks against AJ Swan. That's obviously pretty dang good. Um, but one lowest QBR of the year so far, Tuck. You want to do QBR game over uh, under five for AJ Swan? Well, I already know the answer to this because spoiler what? alert, I've got him as a dud for the week. Oh and so I pulled up the 4.7 QBR. It was under listener. A four QBR. Probably the first one of the season. We were given uh who were we giving crap to last week? Will Rogers, because I think he had a seven against LSU. And uh, then, well, he had uh, about a thousand yards this week. Good for him. Yeah, uh, yeah, he sure turned it around. Um, but no, I mean I do think Kentucky kind of got up early, agent and Vanderbilt just started kind of slinging the ball around uh, to try to claw back into this thing. Uh, but anytime you throw two pick sixes, you're not uh, you're not going to win a game not nine times out of ten. No. Uh, and, and that was really – he threw 
two pick sixes and another pick that led to a touchdown. And I'll say without those, we got ourselves a pretty good ball game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so you just got to eliminate those mistakes and know that you can claw back. But I, I think Vanderbilt just was slinging it around and, and, and couldn't quite get there. I'm simultaneously impressed and really not impressed with Vanderbilt. Um, I think Vanderbilt might be staring down the barrel of uh, what nine, ten straight losses to end the season. Yeah. They might start two and zero oh and end the season two and ten, which is going to be that's going to be sad because I I like Clark Lee a lot. Um, AJ Swan was terrible. I do think Vanderbilt's got a couple of good receivers. I mean, I continue to think London Humphrey's good, Will Shepard's good, and Jane McGowan's good. So they've got a, a decent base at receiver. Um, Devin Leary for Kentucky, he's still struggling. Two picks. Uh, Ray Davis at running back. The, actually, the transfer from Vandy. So revenge game for Ray Davis. All uh, right. I think he's a stud. Dane Key's a stud. That Kentucky defense um, looks pretty disruptive, but at the same time, you're giving 28 up to Vandy. So uh, that's interesting. I. I'm, yeah, I'm not feeling great coming out of this game if I'm Kentucky. I'm feeling I'm not okay. Talk, but, I'm right there with you. Like my, I'm so confused about the SEC East outside of Georgia. It just, it like breaks my brain. Well, this like, week's going to be fun for us because we that this is like the battle of yeah, the SEC East coming. That is up. true. We'll, um, we'll talk more the, about the battle of this the second place in the SEC East. Seriously, the the let's see where all these teams not named Georgia fall out week. That's yeah, because we got Florida, week. Kentucky, and South Carolina, Tennessee. So yeah, those are and, kind of and the Vanderbilt, Florida. Missouri, and Vanderbilt, Missouri. I mean, I yeah. still think Missouri handles Vandy there, but I, those other two games, I think, really figure out the shaking order. This is literally all the SEC East teams not named Georgia playing each other this week. So yeah. it'll be interesting. See sort of the pecking order. Let's do a let's do a power rankings next week after we see some things shake out. I think that'll be good. Yeah, I think we should definitely do it after that. It'll because next week's going to tell us a lot. We'll have some more data. I like it. Uh, let's talk Memphis, Missouri. Tuck, Missouri four and oh, my I'm new team. So proud of my Missouri Tigers. Um, <laughs> Our Missouri Tigers, our new team. <laughs> Our new team, the Missouri Tigers. I mean, they just keep going out of conference and beating pretty good teams. I'm telling you. I'm and I keep you. betting against them like an idiot. First and Kansas State, now Memphis. They're doing it. Thankfully, you hopped on the bandwagon, so we at least split this game. But, I mean, Brady Cook is just looking like a baller out here. We're um, Brady Cook guys. I'm still, you know, a little iffy about their defense. Um. Typically, I feel like, you know, the Missouri teams that scare me are these kind of knockdown, drag out Missouri teams. Yeah, um, exactly right. Th- this is more of one that's going to find ways to get Luther Byrne the third the ball. They, they've been finding creative ways to get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. Um, and, and it's paying dividends. Uh, I think they're looking pretty good, you know. It, if you put their resume up against anyone else in the SEC East, you got to put them at number one. Oh, they uh, talk. My gosh. I was about Maybe to say they might, total SEC. They might have the best resume in all of the SEC. I mean, they've got I a top they 15. Did. They've got a top 15 
win. They've got their four and oh, they've played a decent schedule. Brady Cook looks great. Luther Burden the third's an absolute stud. I mean, he was a five star top top recruit. And I think he might have been the top recruit in the country on two four seven when he came out. And then the running back, Cody Schrader, that guy looks really good. Yeah. So this uh, is a good that's a good one, two, three there. Cook Schrader Burden. Yeah, I mean, they they have exceeded expectations for sure. Um and I like I got nothing. No, I mean Memphis is a good team. I don't look at this Memphis team and, and assume that there's some scrub out of conference game. Uh, that they were a good team coming in. They have a really good offense, balanced attack. Um, Missouri took advantage of, of the kinks in their defense and uh, played a hell of a game. Yeah. And this Cody Schrader guy, it's a cool story. So he, he, if you remember, he transferred from, I think this is, yeah, we can play the game. Are they D2 or not? He transferred from, uh, oh gosh, I think it was Truman State. That sounds D2. You might need to fact check <laughs> me on that. I think it's Truman State. I have no idea where this is, but had, you know, had a billion yards at Truman State, one of those guys, and then came to Missouri and he, he got some run last year and was good. And he's been the guy this year and he's been solid. Good. It's always fun to watch those guys. Yeah, no, I I agree. Any of those guys that kind of come up to the ranks, either they are late to mature or just they were at the wrong high school and college scouts didn't get to see them. You know, that's it, what it is ninety percent of the time. Wrong right, high school and can't afford to go to camps, and then you just sort of get lost in the shuffle. Right, and so you got you got to rise to the ranks. But that you know, honestly. Not to go down too deep of a rabbit hole, but that's what I love about the transfer portal too. Oh yeah! Um, oh my gosh! You get, you get to watch you can, guys. Yeah, you get to watch them move up with with nothing holding them back, and and you know even if they go from a, a school like that to uh, Missouri school, I, I don't want to say Missouri. I would I would go lesser of a school, maybe like a Virginia or someone like that, and they ball out at Virginia. And then they're like, well, I want to transfer to Georgia, you know? And then next thing you know, they're playing for a national championship contender or something along those lines. It's, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I like seeing that progression. I, I think those are, that's one of the good things about the transfer portal that too, no though. one really talks about. That's one of the best parts about the transfer portal. And that's a perfect segue into South Carolina, Mississippi state, our final game. Um, the fans talk, the South Carolina fans, we have this D2 transfer from literally from Newberry, like, you know, middle of nowhere, South Carolina College, named Mario Anderson. The guy played a couple of years at Newberry and had thousands, thousands of yards and a ton of touchdowns, has every single record there. Transfers to South Carolina, and he's behind to carry on Joyner, who's like played quarterback, receiver, running back, played everything. And DK Joyner, great teammate, great person, has not looked good at running back. So the fans have wanted to see this Mario Anderson guy. And it was the Mario Anderson coming out party, Tuck. This guy, my gosh. I, I know it's because I'm so used to, you know, recently bad running back play. But when I saw <laughs> a guy that actually knew how to play running back, his first carry, he it's, it's like a broken play. He breaks a tackle on one of Missouri's defensive tackles. And then the linebacker, Jet, Jet Johnson, who's one of the best linebackers in the sec that's just a fact goes to tackle him and he spins off of him and ends up getting like eight yards and we're like oh my god this mario anderson guy's incredible 
So South Carolina has got a new running back folks. His name's Mario Anderson. We just talked about it. D2 transfer from Newberry. This guy's awesome. So we're excited about him. Yeah. I mean, the stats are, I mean, that's just, it's a grinder stat line. 26 oh, carries yeah. for 88 yards and a touchdown. His longest run was nine yards. So it's just and, Tuck. Did you battling. see his nine yard run? He gets uh, tackled at like the seven yard line and he just keeps driving his legs. And then our entire offensive line basically pushes him. It looks like a it looks like a rugby scrum. Love Watch the highlights. I'll send you a I'll send you something to put on the Instagram. But it literally and then one of our giant offensive linemen is just like fist pumping. The video is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but I'll give you my quick takeaways from this game as the Gamecock fan. I got a lot of flack when I put Spencer Rattler at number three in our quarterback rankings to start the podcast. I, I got a bunch of texts from people saying, oh, you know, you're a homer, you're dumb, this, that. Well, uh, I guess it's my turn to say, I told you so, everybody who texted me, you know who you are. Uh, if we were to re-rank the quarterbacks, there's no question in my mind that Spencer Rattler's the best quarterback in the SEC. 247 Sports just did their top 10 quarterback rankings in the country. Spencer Rattler was number five. He was the only SEC quarterback on that list. He was 18 for 20 against Missouri. Um, One of his incompletions was uh, the most obvious pass interference I've ever seen. It went uncalled. So really 18 of 19. Uh, Perfect QBR again. SEC Offensive Player of the Week again. Um, Spencer Rattler is a stud. We've got Mario Anderson now at running back. Xavier Leggett is leading the country in receiving yards, Tuck. He's number one in all of FBS in receiving yards. He's been unbelievable. On the Mississippi State side, I mentioned this earlier, but this was hilarious. Our defensive coordinator even said, he said, I I did want to try something unique. So we stacked the box against Mississippi State because we were rightfully worried about Jaquavius Marks. Jaquavius Marks has been a stud. Will Rogers has not been very good. So uh, Mississippi State had 23 carries for 32 yards, 1.4 yards per carry average. Really good rush defense, right, Tuck? Great. Yeah. Great data. Unfortunately, they had Will Rogers was 30 for 48 passing for 500 yards. So they were... (laughs) They were throwing it all over us. We literally, Tuck, we had nine guys in the box and two defensive backs on an island the entire game. It was wild to watch this football game. It was it was a unique game, but South Carolina pulled away. Our offensive line looked better. Our our defensive secondary, our back seven, did, did not look good, but our D-line looked pretty disruptive, whether it was a sack or a tackle for loss or a pass deflection. Um the offensive and defensive line looked better. So South Carolina, in my opinion, we're we're trending up. We're trending in a good direction. Yeah, well, look, I, you were right about Spencer Rattler. I, I think when we were doing these QB rankings, I was just mostly thinking Spencer Rattler couldn't look this good on this team that, you know, is – I think yeah, a pretty good SEC East team, but you know, kind of in that jumble with all the other teams. And um, but he has stood out. Uh, I mean, his stats week over week are just incredible. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was the third quarterback taken in the draft now. Truthfully, uh, with how he's playing, especially, I mean. You're taking into account the team that he's playing on. Uh, Now, I mean, 
he's got one receiver to throw it to. And <laughs> Xavier and Leggett. It's working. It is working. It's working. I, I like I just don't understand it. You got one quarterback and one wide receiver, and y'all are making magic with the two of them. Um I am glad to hear this Mario Anderson guy is, is coming back on the scene for you guys and, and helping out the running game. But you know, it's one of those I I don't know if I would feel that great as a South Carolina fan coming out of this game because that Mississippi State team is bad. Is bad. Um, Second worst team in SEC other than Vanderbilt, probably. Is that fair? I that's where I have them in in my head. Um, and they just got pummeled by LSU. And Will Rogers had a seven QBR last week against LSU, and now he comes out and he has almost five hundred yards against y'all. Um, you know, that's not a great sign, but look, I mean, I guess any SEC win is a good win, especially in the jumbled mess that is the SEC this year from the sea sure. signs of it. And, and Hey, I, you, you covered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never, <laughs> never a doubt covered by a point, never a doubt, but, um, you know, fun game to watch, uh, had had me scared for you for a little bit there. I, I, I didn't want it to be as close as it was, but I'm glad y'all pulled it out. Yeah, me too. Fun fact. I know you like the data, Tuck. So uh, Will Rogers had more passing yards against South Carolina than he did his first three games combined. Oh, uh, that doesn't. Uh, so that's, I, yeah, that's never good. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit. That's never good. And now time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. Well, that's it, Tuck. Those are the uh, the SEC games. We talked some games. We talked instant reactions. You want to do a quick? Uh, you want to do a quick studs and duds, and then maybe talk about some of the non-SEC games. Yeah, let's do that. Let's put that in the middle, and then we'll talk about the big games at the end. Let's do it. Welcome to Studs and Duds. If anyone's wondering, I'm doing that live. That's not a recording that I'm just throwing <laughs> in. Uh, let's go snake draft, Tuck. Shot for shot. I'll go first. My first stud. You saw him against South Carolina. Light a trick, a.k.a. Tulu Griffin for Mississippi State. Seven receptions, 256 yards, and a touchdown. Tuck, this guy was so fast. Oh my gosh, I've never seen someone so fast. I was really impressed. Tulu Griffin, you are a stud. A total stud. Um, sorry, we got the dogs shaking out here. But um, my studs, I got two in a row here, right? Um, Love it. I'm going to start back. with our boy Max Johnson. Uh, coming in as a backup quarterback. Moxie you know, Max Johnson, they're calling him. Probably was hoping to to vie for that starting quarterback role at the beginning of the season, uh, and, and ended up losing it out to Connor Wyman. A lot of people would just get down and out in that situation, but he he stuck around. He's waiting it out. Didn't have a bad attitude, and got his moment to shine. Wyman goes down right at the beginning of the second half. He comes out, looks like a stud with that lefty throw, seven for eleven, one hundred twenty three yards and two touchdowns. Um, it was a three to six game at halftime and they just absolutely pulled it away and, and dominated with him at the helm. Yeah. 
this is just a quick aside. Do you remember him? So he start, he started as a freshman at LSU. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It was wild. It's wild to see the transfer portal and some of these things happen. I know how every everyone pans out at the end of the day. I, I forgot he was at Texas. He comes in. I was like, Max Johnson from LSU is coming in for quarterback at Texas A&M. So that was exciting. All right. Who's your next stud? I like that one. That's a good first one. The next one, I'm giving it to the Tennessee rushing attack. Um, I think this is something I've been wanting to see Tennessee break out more. I think they kind of used it this week as a a test run, uh, pun intended. But uh, Joe Milton averaged 18 yards a carry. Dylan Sampson averaged 13 yards a carry. Um, And I just don't think, you know, not to harp on it from earlier, but I just don't think Milton's consistent enough for them to throw the ball more than they run the ball. I I think this team needs to run it more than they throw it and use the throw as more of a gut check, deep shot, keep the safeties back type thing and and try to run the rock down people's throats. I'm with you, Tuck. They're leading the SEC in rushing. They're one of the top rushing attacks in the country. Studs. Studs. I'll go back to back. Uh, my next one, Maxwell Harrison for Kentucky. Come on down. Two pick sixes, three pass deflections. That's one of the best defensive back performances. Um, probably that, that I shouldn't even say one. That's the best defensive back performance this year in all of college football. Absolute stud. I mean, how many D backs in their entire career? Like, how many NFL oh guys can claim that they had two pick sixes in a game? I mean, and one was like a game sealer basically too. I mean, this was just, this was a dude putting the defense on his back. He was like, you know what? I mean, talk about a sticky cover corner too. I was impressed. Yeah. That impressive performance. Once I was looking up his stats at the end, I knew he had the two pick sixes and then then we pulled up his stats. I was like, Oh wow. This guy had a game uh, on top of that. (laughs) <laughs> have have yourself a football game uh-huh. Maxwell Harrison have yourself a football game uh, and then my next stud is uh, really tuck the beauty about studs and duds for me it only takes one moment to become a stud Ricky Pearsall come on down Odell Beckham Jr. one handed in traffic tuck and he gets laid out he makes catch of the year he gets absolutely cracked in the ribs by a defensive back and he holds on to the ball I don't know how he did that that's one of the best catches I've ever seen. And he gets Stuff. up and gives you that that mean mug oh, look. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Like that that's what like, you know, when you lay that hit, you at least want them to be down when you lay it. But when they get back up, that's just demoralizing as a defender. Oh my God. They get back up, do the first down, you know, celebration. Uh-huh. Oh no. Oh no. That, that's when you know you're screwed as a defensive <laughs> back. That's when you know you're in trouble. All right, Tuck, bring us home. Third stud. All right, I can't believe I had to text you and be like, "Hey, have we done this guy yet?" Because I'm not saying we can't do duplicates, but shoot, sure. we're, we're four weeks into the season; we shouldn't be doing duplicates yet. Um, and, and I want to explore all these players for some people that might not know them. But Luther yeah. Burn the third, Missouri wide receiver. I mean, Stud. ten catches for 177 yards this game after last game, going seven catches. For 114 and two touchdowns, I mean, he has been, I think, the secret sauce to this Missouri offense. I think uh, they've been finding fun ways to get him the ball 
Um, and he's making the most of it. He, he's by far the best player on their offense, and you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this guy, like he says, a five-star wide receiver. I think he's rated like a 98 overall by 247. He's going to be playing in the NFL one day. I mean, okay. and, and oh, another fun stat I pulled up. He had 96 yards one game, but outside of that, he's had over 100 yards in every game this season. So I guess I would just say he's had over 96 yards in every game this season. Like, and I don't see it stopping. It, it, it just keeps going up more and more and more. No, he's a stud. And fun fact, he has like 50% of the target share if you watch Missouri. Oh, it's yeah. Like he's got to. every every other target is to Luther Burden the third. That's a name we've mentioned a couple times on the pod, listener. Uh, that's a guy to look out for. Tuck, we need to do a wide receiver slash tight end midseason ranking just because we've got like some dogs. Luther Burden the third. Brock Bowers, Xavier Leggett. I mean, there's yeah. Evan Stewart. I mean, Malik Neighbors. My gosh. I mean, there, there are some absolute dogs, and people are all thinking it. When are Tuck and Dan going to rank these guys and tell us <laughs> who's better than who? Uh, we need to do it. I agree with you. I mean, we do have some dogs at wide receiver. Unfortunately, it seems like the SEC doesn't have enough decent quarterbacks to get them the ball enough. Um, oh, my God. The quarterback <laughs> running back rankings would be like four players. We yeah. Have four good I, I don't know what happened. Running backs. <laughs> Since when is the SEC a wide receiver conference? I, I, I thought we were, you know, quarterback and running back. I thought that's what we were known for for years and obviously offensive and defensive lines. But who do we think we are, Ohio State? I know. Look at this. All right. Speaking of Ohio State, let's talk about duds lol take that Ohio State <laughs> burn my first dud and let me pre-apologize because half of our listeners are South Carolina fans South Carolina secondary 500 yards to Will Rogers I know we were stacking the box and I hate to call out somebody specifically in studs and duds but you know DQ Smith our safety slash nickel I mean it, I, I don't think that guy could cover me in the open field I mean it was just they were getting burnt and burnt and burnt from Tua Griffin time and time again. Will Rogers was throwing it all over the map. And receivers just like kept getting behind our defensive backs. And you're never supposed to let that happen. So that was a dud performance by the South Carolina DBs. Duds. You know what, Dan? I'm just proud of you for finally not picking Thank a you. South <laughs> Carolina guy as a stud and finally putting one in the dud column. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I could have gone Rattler and Leggett for studs, but I've already done that. So <laughs> We've I, already I covered gave, him, Dan. You can't. I gave him a week off. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have them as two of your three, and then pick some random freshman. Yeah, that, that correct. That was in the game for two, two plays. Yeah, looked, my, looked incredible. My studs, <laughs> Rattler, Leggett, and new running back Mario Anderson. <laughs> Those are my new studs. Just I'll to make up Carolina. for throwing y'all in the dud list this week. Love it. Um, All right, well, you're back to back. My my big dud for the week was Lane Kiffin. Yeah, agreed. This guy has been all over social media. He's throwing jabs at Kevin Steele in the press conference saying he's not making the plays over there. And apparently that was a planted question. I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing to do. Um, he also hints earlier in the week at Saban's retirement. And then, you know, if you remember last year, he said, get your popcorn ready before that game. <laughs> this guy's just all talk. And, yeah. and so I started to look back at his three years at Ole Miss. The guy hasn't done a damn thing. I mean, 
He lost five out of his last six games last year. He's beaten two top 25 teams while he's been at Ole Miss that finished the season top 25. One was this cra- the crazy 52-51 Arkansas game in 2021. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and then the other was them beating a uh, an Indiana team in a bowl game that, uh, you know, it probably a very overrated Indiana team. So he, the guy hasn't won a big game since he's been there. I mean, neither of those teams even finished top 15, I don't think. Um, and I just think he's so overrated. I mean, they gave this guy a damn extension last year. They gave him a raise. Well, Tuck, I mean, I gotta be honest. He's too busy chasing tail at Ole Miss. I mean, he's, I, was single for a while and now he's he's come out with that girlfriend who's like younger than us. I'm like, Wayne Kiffin, dude, you're getting paid to coach football, coach football. She must be the AD's daughter or something to keep giving him more money. But <laughs> it just, well, every year, Tucky does that thing. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to Auburn. If you don't extend me, I'm going to go to Auburn. We thought Billy Napier was on the hot seat and just like that, he's off the hot seat. But you know, if, Napier got fired somehow. Lane Kiffin would be like, I'm going to go to Florida. Yeah. I don't money or I'm gone. I just don't think if you look at his actual resume, any real good program wants him. I, I, I think that, I mean, like a Florida job is too good for Lane Kiffin. Alabama is well yeah. beyond Lane Kiffin. No chance. Um, you know, I just – He's sitting here vying for these other jobs. That's what everyone's saying. Like, but he's not good enough at Ole Miss to yeah. get, to move to a better team. Like, who the hell does he think he is? He is one of the more overrated coaches in college football. I would agree with you I there. I just think everyone likes his antics on Twitter, and, and yeah. so, yeah. and and that's really it. But I don't know. Sorry, I went on the a, a, no. a crazy Lane Kiffin rant there. I like but, it. Wayne Kiffin, if you're listening, come on the podcast and defend yourself. He, he's kind of uh, – he'll probably tweet at us for this. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. That's how we go viral. Stupid SEC podcast. Dan and Doug don't know what they're talking about <laughs> from Lane Kiffin's burner account. Exactly. That would actually be huge for the pod. I would love it. I would come on, do. Lane. Bring it. Yeah, bring it. We're not on Twitter because I don't know how to use Twitter. But (laughs) Neither of us are on Twitter, but tweet at John Skeetis. He'll let us know. (laughs) He'll tell us. He'll inform us about the the Twitter, what's going on in the Twitterverse. Um, All right, I got the next two duds. Uh, My first dud, This or my second dud, this is an obvious one. Hugh Freeze's offense, he's got no quarterback there. What is happening? That's a simple dud. And then, Tuck, this is my surprise dud. I'm excited about this one. My third, my third and final dud, and this one I think is so obvious. It's uh, it's not SEC related. It's SEC adjacent. My third dud, Lou Holtz. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> keep your mouth shut, Lou Holtz. He's like calling out Ryan Day, and now Ryan Day, for the listeners, Ohio State's football coach, wants to like fight Lou Holtz. And then Lou Holtz came out. I don't know if you saw it, but came out like a couple hours ago and like doubled down and was like. Name the time and place, Ryan Day. I'm like, <laughs> keep your mouth shut, old man. He's like a million years old. I I honestly love it. I oh when God. I was sitting, I mean, his post game just spiel. I was watching that game, and I was I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, you don't get this 
these kind of speeches from <laughs> an NFL coach. You know, yeah. this is just college emotion coming out of the Ohio State coach here. And so it, it was like, and to attack, I mean, how old is Lou Holtz? He's I mean, got to be in his 90s. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up real quick. But he is like to use him as your billboard material. <laughs> he's 86. He was born in 1937. I mean, the guy looks like he's about to die out there. Oh, he looks like he's 100. And you can't pick fights with an old man like that. But at the same time, I kind of liked it. I don't know. I I just thought it was hilarious all around. Tuck, I need to have my uh, my college roommate, Chad Beal. Shout out if you're listening. He did the absolute best Lou Holtz impression on the planet. We need to have him on just to do the Lou Holtz impression. Get him on. He, he can do like a, a mid, mid-thing commercial or something. In a two-minute segment. Yeah. I love that. All right, Tuck, finish us off. Give us your last dud. My last two duds. Um, one goes along with your Auburn offense. I got Peyton Thorne. Yeah. Sacked seven times. He averaged 3.7 yards per pass attempt. Um, <laughs> so he's uh, really pushing it downfield. Yeah. So, like, it, it was just terrible. I, and we harped on that already. So I, I won't go too deep into it. But AJ Swan is my last one. The love yeah. for AJ Swan is officially over. Throws three picks. That leads to three TDs. Two of them are pick sixes. If you're you're Vanderbilt, your best thing for success is to be smarter than the other team, to not make mistakes. Yeah. And A.J. Swan just didn't do that. And this Vandy team just isn't doing that. Um, He went 16 for 40 in this game. Not good. It was just abysmal. Uh, and then we already hit on it, but uh, I believe the lowest QBR I have ever seen with a 4.7. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, I think you know this, Tuck, but like the the swan, you know, people use the like swan's movement as a metaphor for someone who's like really excellent. <laughs> I was thinking about that, just laughing. <laughs> AJ Swan, this is like the opposite of excellence. Someone should look at it, and I probably should have looked at it before I came on this podcast, but he's got to have the lowest QBR ever with 40-plus passes. Let's do a quick let's, – uh, let's, <laughs> investig- let's do the investigative team at Google, see what we can find out. I, I, I don't think that that stat's going to be in Google. I think we're going to have to go do some deeper investigations. But um, – Do a deep dive. 40, I mean, they let him sling the rock 40 times despite it just never working. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, that might be a signet. This is a little bit of a different stat, but the lowest <laughs> the lowest passer rating by a quarterback in a win with at least 40 passing attempts, and the keyword is win, AJ Swan right. didn't win. <laughs> it's a 20, and this oh, was four. What a game. <laughs> how, how do you pull and that one out? I don't know, but four, I mean, that's so much lower. Yeah, it is. Funny. All right, Tuck, you want to talk, uh, you want to talk bonus games, give the people what they want. Let's shout out, uh, shout out Christian Demery. You want to talk Notre Dame, Ohio state? Yeah, I was actually watching. Uh, I didn't watch that game with him, but we were watching some earlier games together. Um, Epic. and I was talking about this game and I, like I had such high hopes for Sam Hartman and, and this Notre Dame offense. And honestly, 
Well, I came out of this game thinking these two teams both look like potential playoff contenders for me. Um, because of the defenses? The defenses to me. I mean, okay. it was just men hitting men. It looked yeah. fast paced, not, people not making mistakes, hard nosed defense. And that fashion football, for sure. As I've talked about in the past, I think that's what wins national championships. And Ohio State's been lacking that in the past year. So for them to win a defensive battle like this at Notre Dame, I think it's a huge, huge win. Now, I also think Notre Dame should have won this game. I mean, they they were running the ball down their throats there at the end, and then I, I don't they couldn't get that one last first down to put them out of their misery. They missed a pick that hit their guy in the chest that would have ended the game immediately. And then the ultimate shot in the foot, their coaches roll 10 men out oh on the field God. for the last back two back, players. Back to back play. And talk, we're watching that counting going like, they're 10 men on that. They're 10 men on defense. They're 10 men on defense. Back to back plays. And they were saying, I don't know, that the coach came out and was saying, we, you know, didn't want to take the penalty and give them the half yard and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Half a yard. How, who, cares? who cares? Like, yeah. you got to do something there. Like, especially, I mean, what was Ohio State stats on fourth down in this game? I, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. I, but it, it, they were not good. That every, every fourth, yeah, they were one for three. So the prior two times that they went for it on fourth down were both fourth and short scenarios. And Notre Dame stuffed them. And then they pull it off right there. Oh, no, that wasn't even a fourth down, was it? The final play. No, no, it wasn't. Okay. Well, they're uh, one and three in fourth downs, and but they were not getting short yardage plays when they needed them. Notre Dame seemed to be stuffing them. And, you know, th- then they just say, oh, well, we'll just run it where this defensive lineman's supposed to be. <laughs> to the we're going to run it. We're going to run it where the player's missing. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I think these are both good football teams. Um, I, yeah, I, I have, I have some playoff worries for both of these teams. I, I think Sam Hartman's good, not great. I think Kyle McCord's good, not great. Um, you saw it in this game, Marvin Harrison Jr. I think is the best wide receiver in college football. And a lot of people would agree with that assessment. He got hurt. So that's interesting. But I, I liked both the defenses. I thought this would, both defenses looked fast, looked physical, looked tough. And then Notre Dame's running back took that uh, the last name. What is it? Audric Estime, Estime, uh, whatever it is. Sure. <laughs> that, that might be the most jacked human being I've ever seen in my life. That guy was running the ball. I was like, who is this just monster of a man? Oh, my gosh. I was impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing I'm worried about with the Ohio State moving forward, it's their, that defensive front, because Notre Dame did, especially in the second half of that game, seem to have their way running the football. They were pounding the rock, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so there's a little bit of that. But, like, you know, no one made any mis- bad mistakes. I don't think anyone took too many shots. May- maybe there should have been a few more shots taken. But I just think everything was so well defended, and I, I just think it was just one of those – just really good hard-nosed games, truthfully. Um, I've been that hearing some like, other people like good SEC football. I, I did. 
I, I, with my good SEC football. But I've been seeing other people, you know, trying to shit on the offenses of both of these teams and say, oh, well, you only put up 17 points or you only put up 14 points. But I just don't think it was that kind of game. I, I think it was yeah. dynamic defense. Defensive battle. I do like that Egg Buka guy on Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s running mate. That guy's a stud. Yeah. That was exciting. Well, Tuck, there it is. Any other bonus games? Anything else you missed? I think I'm I think I'm all good. You don't want to talk about your boys over there at Clemson? <laughs> oh, Tuck, how did I forget? <laughs> oh boy. Listener, I'm sorry. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a Clemson fan. I'm sorry. I, I don't like Clemson. Obviously, I went to South Carolina. I'm a South Carolina f- fan. I think Dabo Sweeney might be the biggest fraud in all of college football and the history of college football. Um, so watching them lose to Florida State in overtime was so sweet. Um, just your your Dabo Sweeney, you bring in one of the best offensive minds in football, Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's younger brother. Um, who's coming off a TCU, you know, run to the national championship coordinator of the year, all the accolades. And then you think, Hmm, I'm going to make this offensive genius do things the Clemson way and spoiler alert. It's not working. Uh, it's not working at all. Nobody's happier about Clemson's demise than I am. Tuck, let's go Florida state. Let's go. <laughs> Noles. I've got a softer take on it. I've, I mean, Clemson played their ass off. I, I think Clemson, no joke should have won this game. Uh, I mean, there's no if ands, or buts about it. They should have won this game. Uh, what a coulda, shoulda. Their play calling towards the end was pretty abysmal, and I, I, I know the Clemson fans are sitting there just – I mean, they were booing that RPO play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I just – I don't think – I think Cade Klubnik makes poor decisions. Um, I think he's too young. I, I think he's a stellar athlete, and he just—I I think he, when in the crunch and in the grind of the game, I think his vision gets blurred, and he tries to do stuff that's out of his wheelhouse and, and isn't thinking situational football. You know, it, and it, it went back to that Duke game when he was continually trying to stretch plays and fumbling it in the red zone, and then. This game, you know, that RPO play, I, I will say he played well the rest of the game um, for the most part. But, I mean, they were just that's just a decision you need to take out of his hands. You know, yeah. you, you need to just run a run play up the middle if that's what you want, uh, not do an RPO where the quarterback has that option. Um, yeah. And Will Shipley, the running back's a stud. I mean, that guy's a player. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, at the end of the day – if I'm coming out of this game I'm, I, and I'm a Clemson fan, I mean, it, it's kind of one of those heartbreaking situations where you got two losses now, so you're not going to make the playoff. Um, but I still think you're a top 15 team uh, for sure from a pure talent perspective. They just ran into, I mean, two really good teams playing really well on, on good days. Um a tuck there clemson's digging that hole i mean they're zero and two in the acc now so they're probably not going to the acc championship uh, no but i bet they went out um if i had to guess i would take that bet um 
Yeah, Florida State, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman. Those guys are so good. That one-two receiver punch. Let me revise. I bet they went out in the ACC for sure. That oh, South Carolina boy. game's okay. going to be tricky. But That's the one, I think. I, I would yeah. I would still pick him every y'all right now. I think Clemson loses to Notre Dame. I think Clemson loses to North Carolina. And I think Clemson oh, loses to South okay. Carolina. Now I, see a, I, did I, not know they, I did not know they had Notre Dame football. on the schedule. Well, Tuck, a good rival. Like, you should know Georgia Tech's schedule. A good rival <laughs> knows their opponent's schedules and knows their weak spots. I know Clemson's schedule probably second best to South Carolina. I guess you do. Um, yeah, yeah I, I do think Notre Dame's better than them. but I'd, Absolutely. Um, but it'll be a good game regardless. So, I don't know. It 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 sucks for Clemson. Um, they should have won that game. They lost. If you're Florida State, you're pumped. You are now through the gauntlet of your season already. Um, road road to the playoffs. You're borderline. You're get, coasting you're, in, until Duke. It's like when we drive to the Savannah Golf Club, Tuck. We're getting on the uh, Florida State. You're getting on Truman Parkway. All roads lead to the Savannah Golf Club. And that's right. Very exciting. Well, Tuck, what a way to end it. Nothing like ending the episode talking Clemson's demise. I love that. <laughs> end well, this episode with a smile on my face. We did go a little over time, but whatever. We had to I get think it it's in. worth it. Listener, if you're still listening at this point, thank you for thank you for staying with us and uh hope you enjoyed this episode of Big SEC guys. This was a fun one. Yeah, man. I had a blast. All right, Tuck. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end.